Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. <gasps> and this is Joy and Claire. <laughs> this is Joy and Claire. Here we are again. Hi. Thursday, howdy. Thursday morning, Thursday evening, Thursday day. Or Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I mean, so many people save these episodes to listen to. We appreciate that wherever you are. Hello. We're glad hello. you're here. Hello, hello. Benifer got married. Let's just go right out of the gate. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah, I found and that out acknowledge like five minutes it. ago when you said that J-Lo, she, she, Joy started talking about J-Lo, and I had no I, no context. So congratulations to them. I mean, I had any, no I Yeah, I was opinions. like, you have no opinion. I have the opinion. My, fir- my first reaction was like, really? Like, so soon. Like, <laughs> she's that, that was my reaction. Really? So soon? Did you have to just do that? Like, real, I mean, I don't soon, know. Real soon? Weren't they... Weren't they together for like a really long time before and then they yeah, broke up? But then just, like she just left what's his name? You know? Like I just it I whatever. I that don't was know. that was like my own projection where I'm like right. I just feel like I would need more time before jumping in. You would in. need more time. Yes. You J-Lo, would need more time. Apparently J Lo and I don't share the same. Don't have brain. that in common. I also just feel like if you're J Lo, like YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And did you see the Instagram post where Britney was singing Hit Me One More Time in like this dark, sultry voice? No, but I don't well, want to. It was really great. I actually am going to play it. Was it was like for goth you. Britney. We can play it, right? Because she posted it on Instagram. No? Probably not. <laughs> Probably. Let's not. Let's just imagine it. Let's just close okay. our eyes. So and imagine what everyone like. just pause, go to Britney's Instagram. It's basically probably. Last week, she posts every single day. So just go to the one where she's standing in front of a mirror and she starts singing Baby One More Time or Hit Me Baby That's One More like Time. That's like 90% of her Instagrams. Yeah. Is her standing in front of a mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so she's, we'll, have to, we'll have to post she, the link She's in the dark. Yeah, she's in the dark. You Got can't it. really see her. And she starts singing Hit Me Baby One More Time in like this very dark version. Acoustics in the bathroom. She sounds great. And I was just very happy for her. Anytime she posts something where she's putting herself out there a little more, well, let's just, let me rewind that. Like with her talent, I feel like she's been hiding her singing. She's been not really talking about music, which is really what she's known for. Uh, dancing, on the other oh, hand, yeah. we see I'm lots so of that. Yeah, so much dancing. I feel like anytime she puts her singing out there, even a little bit, I feel really happy for her. It's almost like, you know, an angel gets its wings. anytime Reclaiming it. Yeah. She's reclaiming her. Her Britney-ness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the two things out of the gate that I wanted to cover real quick. Two pieces of the two slub moments that we had to cover off on. Right. Um, I don't have any slub moments to comment on. Oh, I have one more to. Oh, go this on. Is, oh, wait, is, I did get a new cookbook by Paul Hollywood. Ooh, that's my slub moment. Tell us about the inspiration to buy that book. I didn't uh, even know. I a cookbook by Paul Hollywood and I bought it. It's pretty new. I went to the Boulder bookstore. If you guys are in Boulder, the Boulder bookstore is just a real gem. They have at the front of the store, like the first three whole shelves are like three whole like shelf sections are like staff recommendations. And they're the best because people really write out like pretty long, thoughtful recommendations. And yeah, Paul Hollywood has a, I think it's pretty new. It's somebody wrote a comment and said like, is this really intimidating? He really intimidates me. And it's actually not pastry as a, as a category of baking is difficult. Flaky dough, anything the pastry is just the name for any type of flaky dough. But other than that, it's very, it seems like pretty straightforward. What are you looking what am at I gonna, right now? Yeah. So his brownie recipe isn't okay. Well, okay. First of all, let's take a step back and realize that if you, anyone out there, here's the thing. I, they probably have finished already filming the upcoming season of Bake Off. I'm so excited. So you think? 
I hope so. And I'm real excited. If anyone has insider, insider, insight, insider, insight, uh, please let us know. By the way, we didn't get any responses to sending us some videos of Mary Berry, which I'm really disappointed in you guys. (laughs) Not pirating Mary Berry. But literally, if you are ever going to go on the Bake Off show, like you got to memorize this cookbook. It's like an insight into his brain. Yeah. It's like, here's how he does stuff. Like his brownies recipe is in there. He, there's one that I'm really looking forward to. It's a blondies recipe with freeze-dried raspberries and pistachios. I've been very into baking with pistachios. There's also a individual lemon sponges one that I bookmarked and a pear and almond slices one that I bookmarked. What was the first one again? Blondies. The blondies. Scott loves yeah. a blondie. Scott mm. loves blondies. Does he love pistachios? Sure. He'll take a pistachio. Okay. Yeah. He's not, oppo- <laughs> he's not opposed to the nuts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, whoops. Yeah. That sounded weird. <laughs> mm, yeah. We're just going to freeze right by that one. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Scott doesn't listen to the podcast. Okay, go on. You were going to say something else about someone else. Oh, another celebrity. well, it was like a one degree, two degree situation because I posted about this movie that I've been wanting to watch forever and ever. And I don't really love scary movies. But oh, I, was I just... saw this message. I laughed very hard. Oh, it was so funny. Yeah. So there's a new movie out called The Black Phone. Ethan Hawke is in it. It's really the only reason I wanted to see it. I don't love scary movies, but this one just looked like, okay, this is scary enough, but not gory where I'm going to be eyes closed the whole time. I love a good suspense. So I posted about Ethan Hawke and this movie I wanted to watch. And we had a listener or actually Instagram person. I don't know if you listen. We had an Instagram follower write us and say, oh my gosh, I just saw him the other day walking his dog. And we both put our poop bags, our dog poop bags in the same garbage can. I feel like I'm one degree separated from him now. I'm like, you're basically best friends. But she saw him walking his dogs in Brooklyn. She's like, he's a really good looking man. And he has really cute dogs. And I'm like, he really is. Yeah, yeah. And his daughter is in Stranger Things. And she's so cute. She looks exactly like the most perfect combination of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Like, it is adorable. So that just makes me want to be a part of their family. They're so cute. My current celebrity crush is Chris Pine. Okay. He's a dreamboat. He is a dreamboat. I saw some, uh, I feel like it might have been like Betches or somebody posted something recently that was like we're not arguing over which chris is best chris who are their chris's uh chris pratt chris pratt who's the other one chris famous chris's yeah so they were like we're not arguing over which is the the best famous chris because it's chris pine chris rock chris benoit chris Patton. none of these are even none of those are the ones none of these are the ones we're even looking at none of these a power ranking of famous chris's none of these guys google did not we have ranker who's the most famous chris in the world Oh, well, Christ, Chris Evans. Okay, Chris Evans is who I was thinking of. Okay, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that is also the other person I was thinking of. Really? <laughs> all these Chris's. <laughs> you were always Chris Pratt. Yep. See, like, but Chris Pine is the of the. I think he's at the top of the Chris list right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's enough listing Chris's. Oh, Chris Pine, and then Chris Rock, and then Christopher Walken. Now, now we're starting to get like weird. Like now it's yeah, just like Christopher not... Lee. No, no, no. Let's no, 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 no. Back up, back Chris, up, back up. Chris back up, Brown. Back up. <laughs> cut that. Cut that. Cut no, no, that. no. Cut, 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 cut that. <laughs> okay, so famous people. Anything else? Did you see anyone in Boulder? <laughs> Any famous people? No, no famous people in Boulder this week. I didn't really do anything this week. We. I'm trying to think like this has been one of those weeks where it's felt really frazzled, but like also like nothing has gotten done where you just feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels. Oh, I hate that feeling. My At my job, we, you know, work in 
season. So we're coming like on the fall season. And I, for those of you who don't know, I work for an apparel brand. And so um, it just feels like we're really, you know, things are ramping up and like, I get confused about what year it is constantly. Cause we're talking about like spring 23 collections and fall 23 collections. And I'm like, is it 2022 right now? Or is it, is 20, is now like, I either think that 2022, 2022 is next year or that 2023 is this year. Yeah. That's gotta so be I, really confusing. It's you're constantly confusing. living in the future and yeah, it kind of so makes I'm me always excited like, for fall. I'm starting because it's been so hot everywhere. It's been it's so hot. Unreal. And it, I know it's only late July, I know. but I want it to be here and I'm so excited. Oh, I don't think I talked about my surfing trip last week on the podcast, my new surfing trip. I posted about it on Instagram. Oh, okay. But I was just, the only reason I bring it up is because I feel like that's going to expedite my arrival of fall because I'm going to Ireland at the end of August. And like, it's going to expedite fall, but but really, truly, I get really excited for fall for you because I know it's like, this is your moment and your birthday's in November. yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Do you do this when you have a trip coming up? Do you add the city you're going to, to your weather app? Oh, totally. Yeah. All the time. Yep. So I did that and I'm like, I'm looking at it and it's like the highs today was 80, which I think is an outlier, but like even in the middle of July, it's like a mid to upper sixties cloudy. Sounds like a nice break. I wouldn't think I'd want that all the time. This is my challenge. I think we've talked about this before. <laughs> I want, too hot, not too cold. <laughs> I want cold. I don't mind cold. I don't, I want cooler weather, but I require at least 300 full days of sun. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? Like, I just want to be able to wear pants and a sweater and eat soup for dinner every day for the rest of my life. But I also require at least 300 full days of sun. And, you know, I just. I have yet to figure out where that is, except that I think my best bet is going to be staying in Colorado, but just going up in elevation. Sure. That's but a good point. It's really expensive up there. <laughs> it really, it's expensive up there. I go the more, or unless I go to like move down to West Coast with your mom. Mm-hmm. My parents would welcome you. There's I, an empty lot next to their house. You build a house right there. Yeah. I should move. Ronnie in. Z will plow your driveways, plows the Done. streets. He is the neighborhood. Maybe he'll plowger. build my house. He probably would do that if you asked him to. That sounds, <laughs> sounds ideal. <laughs> All right. Um, so speaking of, oh, your trip. Wait. Oh, yeah. So I'm going yeah. on a okay. trip. So for who I followed for a long time, she was like an early, one of like the earliest surfers who I remember really being aware of back in my high school surf craze days that I never grew out of. I have been following her on Instagram and she posted about this surf trip to Ireland that they were doing at the end of August. And it was like advanced beginners and up. And I was like, well, I'm not an advanced beginner. So that rolls me out. And I just kept seeing the post and seeing the post. And finally, I just decided, you know, I'm just going to reach out and find out like, what does it mean to be an advanced beginner? Because as we all know, I have only been surfing a very small handful of times and only once in the last like eight years, but I am not like a never, ever, ever, like I can paddle out on my own. And so I reached out and I was like, Hey, here's the deal. I can paddle out on my own. I can catch small waves on my own. I can't always stand up on the waves. Um, and I don't always catch them, but like, am I, do I call? And she was like, Oh yeah, we're really just, we really are just making sure that people can like handle their board, their own board safely in the water and that you can paddle out on your own. I mean, I kind of took it to be like the skiing equivalent of like, you have to be able to like load and unload the lift on your own and like stop before you run into another person. I'm like, yeah, I actually, I would consider myself to possess that amount of surfing experience to where like I can keep myself out of imminent danger and I'm not going to drown for no reason. (laughs) 
So yeah, I was they like, want to know that you're you're going to be okay. I think they just want to know that like you will be safe in a group and they don't have to like give you one-on-one attention that you actually have like some ability to do it on your own without a one-on-one. So I was like, all right, well, this is something like weirdly specific that I've always dreamed of doing, which is surfing in Ireland. I kind of thought that like this idea for me was a few years out because I just assumed I would have to come up with my own trip. So I just went for it. Bless Brandon for being like totally on board with me leaving for another surf trip, you know, four months after the last one that I did. So it's going to be the last week of August. It's in Sligo, 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 which is not Northern Ireland, like not Northern Ireland, like the prop, you know, the region, but like the Northern North, sort of the Northwestern coast of the Republic of Ireland. turns out Ireland's quite small. You can drive across the whole thing in like four hours. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do because the one big hitch is that they want you to bring your own board. And yeah, I'm just like international travel with a surfboard. So no I don't own a surfboard, right? Uh, you know, because of all the aforementioned <laughs> factors. And I'm like, okay, also, it turns out there's not that many places in Ireland to rent a surfboard from. And also, if I were to rent one, what would I do with it? Like, how would I get to the rental place? How would I get it? Like, I'm not right. a car in that scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does the car have a rack? Just a lot going on. So I think after pricing out all my options, I think I am going to buy a surfboard, which feels crazy, and try to fly with it, which feels crazy, especially because on the way back, I have to go through Heathrow, which you like- You are absolutely insane. I don't know. Like, literally, <laughs> this is where I'm at, that that feels like the most simple option, because otherwise, what I have all right, to do is All right. Do we have there. any listeners in Ireland who can drive is you? That, seriously, can you pick me up with my surfboard? I'll pay you money to drive me to where, this place, but- We actually because- did have a listener who reached out and wants to meet up with you in Ireland, so maybe- Oh, really? Where? Yeah. On, yeah, I on think it was email? on our email. Oh, I didn't see that. <gasps> Maybe she'll help me. Or because it was DMs. Who knows? Guys, just email us if you. <laughs> please email us. If you're listening, please email us. This is joy at gmail.com. DMs get lost in, in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. I am really at a lot. Like, so I think what I'm going to do is fly with my board, buy a board, fly with it, <laughs> take the bus or the train to the town where I need to be. <laughs> And then once I get there to that town, just hope that like someone can pick me up who's like <laughs> going to be on the trip because I don't want to rent a car. That's really what I'm trying yeah, to do. Yeah, I don't blame you. There's, the, now all of a sudden there's all these steps that you've got to get. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's yeah. getting too complicated. That's it's where I'd be like, I'm out. Too many steps. <laughs> right. I literally at one point almost was like, maybe I'll just go and just not surf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of the trip. Right. And you're like, never mind. I'm, I'm like, gonna, I'm good. I'm just actually going to, I'll just watch. A, yeah. And uh, you Amazon it to your hotel. Maybe. That's a good hope, idea. And just hope right. it's not like, just hope well, it's in on one the piece. way home. So here's the other thing is like, I have and to, it has to be under a certain size because on the way home, I'm actually going to Jackson, which is a whole long story that I don't need to tell. And it's considered like a express flight. And so there's a limit on the size your baggage can be. Yeah. So I like idea in a perfect world, I would get like an eight and a half or nine foot board, but I can't get long on eight foot and bring it on the plane there. So can you, can you ship it like in cargo somehow and just not be on the same plane? It would be so expensive. Yeah, that's true. Like the difference between. This is why we need a private jet. (laughs) Add it to the list of reasons. Oh man. Private jet because there's just. So much going on. So many steps that we would have to do. 
Yeah. So many steps. There's a lot of steps. So anyway, all that to say, I'm going to Ireland. I'm trying not to let this like surfboard logistics problem overshadow my excitement. I have been to Ireland one other time. I'm also not really going to have a lot of time outside of the surf trip. Like I'm, I get there the day before. So I will have like a little bit of time, but I'm mostly planning on having to use that to navigate across the country with my board. <laughs> and then same thing on the way back. Mm-hmm. Like I, the retreat ends on a Friday and I on Saturday. So but if anyone has any tips on where to stay in Sligo, 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 just tell me because okay. I do need some lodging. But I'm very, very, very excited. And I also am very, very, very nervous. So hopefully I don't make a fool out of myself in front of this like longboard celebrity who I've followed since I was 14. I wish there was a, uh, I could do one of those sounded out things because, oh, Sligo. Okay. I mean, it's pretty phonetically spelled, but you just never know with Irish words. Yeah. It really inspired me. I saw one of my friends, speaking of surfing, but this is not surfing, stand-up paddleboarding. It's adjacent. My friend... It's definitely adjacent. My friend... <laughs> on a board on the water, standing on it. Yeah, very adjacent. My friend has a like a boat store. It's a... Friends from high school, they have like a store that's like on a boat. And so she was posting some videos from her store on the lake and someone was like paddling by on a paddleboard, but like an elliptical on a paddleboard. And I was like, what the heck is this? And she wrote me back and she's like, oh, I have a feeling this is going to become your new workout obsession. (laughs) I was like, this looks amazing. (laughs) So it is, it's basically a paddleboard instead of doing the stand up paddle. It's like an elliptical pedals in the board and you just paddle. And then it has like a little like boat motor thing under there, like a little rudder, (laughs) like a rudder. And then you you hold on to just like a bar that's popping up out of the. It's just it's so I'm genius. imagining like those elliptical scooters where like you're exactly. doing the elliptical, but you're it has yes. wheels. Yeah, and the arm bars don't move. Like the arm bar doesn't it. move. It's so it's just it's just like you're paddling with your feet standing up on a paddleboard. It looked amazing. I was like that because man, stand up paddleboarding takes forever to really get into the groove and you have to be really strong. And even at my strongest, I would have a hard time like really getting momentum going. It is quite the workout. You're just kind of like holding on for dear life the whole time. Anyway, uh, well, that sounds fun. And then fall Don't will worry, be here. You guys will be hearing so much more about it. Right. But the real important thing here is that I'm purchasing sweaters for this trip. Oh. And I bought this like freaking ginormous freaking wetsuit and I had to put it on. And good Lord, by the time I got it on, it was a hundred degrees the day that it came. And I was like, I wanted to try it on right away in case I had to return it. Mm-hmm. I put this thing on in my kitchen. I stripped on my underwear, pull this thing on. As soon as I get it on, I immediately start to panic because I'm already sweating oh, no. so much. And the way that you get like really cold water wetsuits, the neck gasket like comes over nope. from behind, like a no, hood no. and you pull it over. Nope. <laughs> This reminds and- me of Carrie on on Sex and the City when she has a panic attack when she puts the wedding dress on to go to marry Aiden and she breaks out in hives and she can't get the dress off because there's so many buttons. That's pretty much, yeah. But imagine that except that, like the process you have to go through to get it off is like being born out of like a neck gasket. Oh, no, no, no. And so I, Miles had to help me get out of it. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, Miles. You're like having panic. You're like, get me like, out of here. Just no, get it off. All of a sudden. Oh, I can't tell you how many times in a dressing room where I'd be like, let's let's take a gamble with these shoulders. And I'd pull something on and I'd be like, I can't get it off. I can't get it off. I'd be like, I'm stuck. 
He goes, once you pull, pull it on, I'm like, it's going to get over these shoulders. That's always my my problem, guys. Like to get it over, you know, like dresses that just pull over. You just a pullover dress. No, pullover dresses are not a pullover dress on me. They are like, let's push it over the rib cage and the shoulders. They never just slip on. There's no slip on dress situation. That's how and I then feel to about get it off, that, I get so nervous. Yeah, that's how I feel about anything that you have to like step into and then pull up. No. I have the, I have oh. like a similar, you know, bottleneck, but it's my hips. <laughs> I'm just like, please, 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 please. Once we get over, we're gonna be fine, and we're through. Oh, it is a Very bottleneck much. situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, okay. So you had, you were telling me that you had an interesting conversation about productivity and worthiness and when you were describing it to me, I was like, oh, we could definitely talk about this for a long time. So (laughs) tell me more. I was talking with a client this week and we were having this conversation and I feel like this comes up a lot. So it's not this, this one person, but I was like, wow, this really probably is universal to a lot of people is that productivity and value are very synonymous. Like people put a lot of value into themselves when they can be productive. So whether that be school where someone's like, yeah, I just was the high achiever in high school, did all the things in college. And then you you kind of like settle into a job, maybe you're into your 20s, 30s, and you're kind of like, what do I do with all my time? And I've talked about this a little bit where I feel like sometimes like with age, you know, like in my 40s now, that goals are very different. And I hit this weird spot in my 30s where I was like, why do I feel like I have no goals? I have like no direction. Well, because it like changes, right? You're not moving at the same pace as you were in your 20s for a lot of different reasons. But anyway, the whole conversation came up was like, do you put a lot of value and self-worth into productivity? And are you the type of person that doesn't like idle time? Because I like structure, but I also love free time. So I have to be very careful with like how I structure my weekends too, because if I do too much planning, it kind of freaks me out. But at the same time, too much idle time creates a lot of anxiety. So I'm curious to see where you stand on that spectrum. I know we've definitely talked about this with you. We talked about this a lot in Girls Gone on the Girls Gone Wild podcast, like when you were in this in real time, where you kind of were having these like little mini crises around like, wow, I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing more. Totally. Yeah. And like, I need to have a goal. And I think that also comes up for people, particularly around fitness. Like when you kind of step away from, I did a post about this on Instagram last week around like being a recovery PR chaser, but when you step away from trying to push yourself to that level all the time, you kind of have this like withdrawal of, wait a minute. So then what am I supposed to be focusing on if I'm not constantly trying to chase after something? And I think that this is all, you know, various sides of the same coin. I would say that I used to be very much like that. I think I've get, having kids sort of um, solves that problem for you. <laughs> for me, it did anyway. I don't want to speak for everybody who has kids, but like, I think it was easier for me to be focused on my own productivity before I had kids because I think I was just more focused in general on my own plans. And then when I had kids, I had to let that go because I really just like, you know, something, some balls had to drop and that was one of them. But I think that shows back up in my life when I feel like something is not going the way I wanted it to, or if like someone else, like if Brandon is, is, you know, said he was going to do something and forgets. And I feel like I have to run around behind him, like scooping up the, the, whatever it is that he forgot to do or whatever. And it feels like, okay, well now it's almost like the list has just expanded to my whole family. 
that like we have this level of productivity that we need to maintain and we can sort of keep it at a hum. But if we, if things start to drop, then I still feel like I have to be the one to like go and scoop them up to like maintain that sort of hum. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit less focused on my own self-worth, but it definitely contributes a lot to my just day-to-day stress. Yeah, it's interesting because the people that I've talked to about this is like, it's a wide range. It's people in their 20s, people in their 30s, people in their 40s, dads, moms, single people, married people, like it's all across the board. And I just, I feel like too, there's just this like inherent need and I'm going to blame, I feel like social media just makes it all really bad too. Like, oh, we should all be doing this level of things. And I, I feel like that still really influences us, but um, how much we feel like we have to keep doing something or producing something and chasing something to feel like, I don't know, we're worthy. It's very, it's very odd, but I'd be curious to see what people say. I want to hear if listeners have that experience of brown productivity, self-worth, Uh, Are you the type of person that really likes to be productive and doesn't like to take a break? Or are you okay with like taking time off and just like uh, laying on the couch all day? Uh, Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, talked about this a little bit with her and Abby because Abby's the type that's like, I can just lay on the couch all day and just like do nothing. And Glennon's like, don't even... I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to do that. Um, And they have a really cute conversation about that in some of their episodes. But I just want people to weigh in because I think it's an interesting personality trait. Slash, I also know that there's stuff tied to it. Like some people were like, well, I just was like, when I was a kid, I had to work all the time. It was just like, you kind of get that ingrained in you. Right. I think that where I immediately start to think is like, I seeing that as a negative trait that like you can't stop yourself and it almost becomes like, the um you know like the fantasia of skit where totally you're just dumping out buckets of water until your house floods totally but i also could see it as if you have the ability to have a lot of self-awareness around it and you can direct it i don't think it necessarily has to be negative if you can set healthy expectations around it right i don't i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either and i've been i've told a couple of people i work with i'm like this is actually a strength it just matters of how much it's interfering with your relationships or your life or your and daily life. And if it's life. like adding, right, if it's bringing a lot of stress to you, then that's obviously something you want to look at. What do you tell people though, who, if people are listening and they're like, yeah, yeah, I definitely have this and it makes me miserable. But the, you know, the problem with this is it is totally like a catch 22 that you're really stressed out by having these expectations for yourself that you have to be productive. Otherwise your self-worth suffers. But the problem is that the like remedy is to try to tone down your expectations, which then can you know very easily backfire to just make you feel even more stressed out because you're loosening your productivity. Mm-hmm. So what like how do you manage that? Well, I'm a big fan of exposure therapy with pretty much everything. So I always tell people like just start one weekend with like doing if you're super super productivity mode, start one weekend by doing a little bit less and just see how it feels. You're not going to burn and and like burst into flames. Uh, you can, and I always, I also have this theory that like so much of what we do in mental health is like help people learn to tolerate uncomfortable feelings. <laughs> so you just have to learn how to tolerate. You increase your exposure to something that's uncomfortable and you learn how to tolerate it a little bit better. So if you kind of like walk into a weekend being like, well, I'm just going to 
make my list and I don't, I'm going to do like, what do I have to get done or else, you know, we're not going to eat this week. Like, okay, of course we have to do grocery shopping, but what are the things that maybe would be nice to get done, but it doesn't have to get done. And you leave things off on your list that you don't accomplish and see how that feels. And it's so much of what we deal with in life is the story in our head of rules that we don't know where they came from. They were made up when we were younger or whatever. And that if you actually let one of those rules go, you'll realize like, oh, really wasn't that big of a deal. Like it was just the big scary monster in the closet. That's actually the cute monster from Monsters, Inc. It's like you make a really big deal out of something that's it's not. It's just Sully. It's just Sully hanging out. And he's so cuddly and cute. So, cuddly so and cute. that's, that's kind of what I say. And then I'm like, you know, just see how that feels like one step at a time, because you can't just tell someone to be like, well, just, you know, stop being productive because a lot of times it does just bring relax. people. Just, just relax. So just yeah. be positive, you guys. Like, <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself. I it makes me crazy when people just be gentle with yourself. I freaking hate that advice. As you, I think I've talked about this. Yeah, before. like I know. Just that's... be kind to yourself. I'm like, as opposed, oh, I just be gentle with yourself. Like, yeah, f, f that. It can I can't, turn into, I hate that advice so no, much. It can turn into toxic positivity real quick, it's which one thousand percent feels so toxic. You know, Ooh. we just need to be gentle with ourselves. I'm like, what does that mean? No. I hate that advice. But I think what you said a couple of minutes ago, I think is worth kind of reiterating that, you know, you said just getting being comfortable with uncomfortable feelings. And I think that that is at odds with what most people try to do, which is like end the uncomfortable feeling right. as quickly as possible. Totally. And it's like, actually, uncomfortable feelings aren't inherently bad. You just have to learn how to tolerate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just Rather increase than- your tolerance. It's like you cre- it's like running, you know? You don't start running right away. You just like do a little jog here and there. So it's the same concept and it's very much like, okay, this is really uncomfortable for me. And this is the same thing like when people have a hard time with public speaking or going out in public or crowds, you know? Some people are like, I have major social anxiety. So we, we start small. I'm like, all right, well, I want you to go to the grocery store. Can you, like, do you feel uncomfortable going to the grocery store? Like on a scale of one to 10, how uncomfortable is that for you? And they'll be like, oh, it's like a two or a three. Okay, great. We're not going to throw you into a nine situation. You're going to go from like a two to a three and you're going to walk around and you're going to be like, okay, if it gets to a four, I can tolerate this. But if it gets to a six, I'm going to leave. So you kind of like start to play around with that type of thing of like making sure that no one's going to be just like thrown into a situation where they're like, that was horrible. Cause you want it to be positive to be like, okay, you survived that. Like you got back in your car, everything's okay. You're not having a panic attack. Like that's kind of what we want. And then you start building off that confidence because it's building confidence too. You're building confidence that like you can do these things. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people about like others worrying about like what they're thinking of them. I'm like, I guarantee you no one's thinking about you. Like, sorry, but (laughs) they're not thinking about you. I think that's huge. They're thinking about themselves. (laughs) They're saying they're worried about what you're thinking of them. And I know that's cliche. Like we see, I feel like we're hearing that more and more. Like nobody's thinking about you. They're too busy thinking about what you're thinking about them. But it is honestly so true. Like how much time do you actually spend thinking about other people and holding judgment against them? Not just thinking about them because that can detail a lot of things. But like how often do you sit around thinking like, (laughs) God, I can't believe that person did that. I still can't believe they did that. I still can't believe they did that. Like unless they really personally wronged you, you're probably not sitting there being like, 
wow, I can't believe that that person actually took their whole lunch hour. Right. They actually took their whole lunch hour. Oh my God. They took their whole lunch hour. Like, no, yeah. if somebody like, why are you so obsessed with me? If somebody's acting that way towards you, that's a them problem, that's, not a you problem. <laughs> you might be hanging around Regina George. Might be hanging um, around Regina George. Yeah. Like, I think it's just important to have those reminders that like being uncomfortable is okay. I think we were most of us were raised in a generation or a lot of us raised in a generation where the go-to was like, fix the feeling, make it go away that like, we were all just striving for positive emotions all the time. And if it wasn't positive and we had to make it go away. And now we're finally like opening up into an era where negative emotions are normalized and they're talked about more. And the solution to a negative emotion is that there doesn't have to be a solution. It just is a feeling just Yes. Yeah. And I am so against the whole, like, let's fix negative, negative emotions. Cause I will say we have so many colors of the rainbow of emotions. Every single one needs to be recognized. Happy is happy. Sad is sad. Like, let's not, let's not judge the emotions. (laughs) And so it's very much like we can't just all of a sudden fix and have this attitude that negative, sad is a bad thing. And like, let's get yourself in a positive mindset. I I hate that. I I mean, it it may work for people. I just don't, from my experience, it's not sustainable. It's not a sustain because you're not really addressing what's underneath it. You're just kind of putting a bandaid and, and, and I think it gives people this like false sense of hope that if you just say enough positive affirmations, you're going to be happy. And that's not realistic. Like it's not the way the world works. You can't just set up your life to only have positive experiences. And then you're just spending all of your energy, like trying to reframe things and trying to like kind of ignore reality, in my opinion. Right, right. You're ignoring reality. Exactly. And so that's just that's just my one viewpoint from one therapist is like, I don't believe in positive thinking your way out of things. I think there's certainly mindsets that you can take to be like, all right, I'm going to... Right, we're not saying like, go out, have like a toxic negative. No, like, yeah, no. But like, like for example... Perspective is important. Mindset is important. We say that all the time with, what's that word where you... Comparative suffering. I was about to be like, what's that word where you compare your suffering to other people? Comparative suffering. <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, hey, listen, perspective is important. It's always good to recognize when like things could be worse. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to like experience a negative emotion just because it could be worse. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying like, for example, uh, going into like a job interview or going on a first date or you're kind of like, you're you're going to be nervous. It's like, don't try to not be nervous. Just be like, all right, I got to. And so practice that too. There's a lot of times too, I'll talk to people. I'm like, uh, unfortunately, I can't help you with this until you actually get into a situation. Like there'll be people who went through a bad breakup and they want to start dating again and they want to kind of be better at relationships. I'm like, call me when you're in a relationship because I can't like tell you how to do that until you actually go through that experience. We walk through a lot of things and like maybe perhaps learning from your past relationships, but so much of life is like, you got to get in there and you have to mix it up and you have to fall on your face and you have to learn. But the whole thinking positive thing, yes, it's great. And it gives you maybe some warm, fuzzy feelings every once in a while when you see something that's positive, but you're really doing a disservice of actually doing the work. And I kind of equate this to like working out because you're working out your brain, you're working out your emotions, you're getting better at them, you're getting stronger. Uh, So that's my therapy hat moment. Okay. Speaking of positive emotions, let's take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, Ned, who helps us feel, if not more positive, at least way more balanced. And way more calm. Calm, relaxed, 
I also feel like relax being relaxed is should be a neutral experience. It's not always like, oh, I'm relaxed because I'm happy. It's like I'm just relaxed. I'm just I'm, I'm just okay here. with whatever's gonna happen. Yeah. So you guys know Ned. They are the makers of our favorite CBD products. I love their daily blend and their mellow magnesium blend, which is a magnesium drink powder that also has some other um, minerals and botanicals in it. It tastes delicious. I love the Meyer lemon. I take it before I go to bed. And I also take my daily blend every night before I go to bed. I use the 750 milligram blend. I do a full dropper full under my tongue every night. And it just really helps calm me down a little bit, bring down, brings down my baseline just a little bit. It helps me get to sleep, stay asleep. And it also feels like it does help me have a more even keel throughout the day, whether that's a CBD on its own, or whether it's because I'm getting awesome sleep, I don't care because I think sleep is by far the most important thing that we can do to maintain our health. That is why I really love CBD. And I've really gotten in the habit of using it because I've noticed when I don't use it, I definitely have much shakier sleep, much, much less reliable sleep. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to hellonad.com forward slash joy to get 15% off your first order. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy, 15% off your first order, or you can use discount code joy. Please support the podcast and support our great sponsors. Thank you so much, Ned, for sponsoring our show. Well, I want to talk quickly um, about the Victoria's Secret documentary I watched this past weekend. I didn't know it existed. I just was like browsing Hulu and I was like, ooh, angels and demons, Victoria's Secret, I'm in. (laughs) So my first question to you is how prevalent was Victoria's Secret in your life? Like, because I feel like I was in the perfect age range for it to be like a big presence the in my life. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was still pretty prevalent. I think between that and like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, you know, my friends would watch the Victoria's Secret talent, uh, not talent show, runway show. Um, you know, everybody like wanted to get their first thongs at Victoria's Secret. I mean, I I kind of feel like if you grew up in a mall, then Victoria's Secret was very much a part of your like body awareness at a young age. Yeah. So if you haven't watched it, or if you just want to get some, I don't know, I felt like it was good entertainment, to be honest. Um, I think it's called Victoria's Secret Angels and Demons on Hulu. And I believe it's a five part. I don't know, maybe it's three or four episodes. I thought it was episodes. But in any event, it brought up a lot of emotion that I didn't expect because I realized, and this is so kind of like one of those situations where you're like, duh, but when it actually is like played out in front of you, you're like, oh my God, I need to go to therapy. Like the, <laughs> the, <laughs> why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I, I just think that that's like a moment I would just love. Can we just take a break real quick? Because will people please send us the like aha moment where you realize, oh my God, I need to go to therapy. <laughs> it was. was it you're watching the it, Victoria's Secret Yes, because I was like, oh my God, this is like the root of so many of my issues. But it didn't like really. And I think the Abercrombie documentary kind of is a little bit like it, but I was not a fan of Abercrombie. I was just past the age. Like I think I was just a little, maybe a year older um, that when it was like really popular and, and the perfume or the cologne just like completely turned me off from the stores. And when I'd go in there, I had the, like, I had the, like a a migraine from the, yes, but I had the wherewithal, I think as a, as a young woman, I think I had the wherewithal to be like, I'm not wearing this crap. Like I I remember the shorts just being so tiny and being like, who's going to wear that? I was definitely in the Abercrombie. 
you were. Like, I would say Abercrombie was okay. more prominent for me than Victoria's Secret. But like same okay. side of the same, yeah. different side of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, but I feel like people who are maybe in their 40s and I'm like 30s and 40s, I would say is kind of like that generation of like the limited express Abercrombie, uh, Victoria's Secret, like all of those chains and Gap, maybe Gap was like a little bit more like in the 90s. But um, anyway, so this documentary, I'm watching it and it like hits me of how much of an influence it has on me as a young woman, you know, growing up in my teens and 20s, and what I thought about myself and the beauty standard. Again, there's a little bit of like, duh, how did you not realize this? But I think when it was all kind of like woven together, I saw how much influence it really had and kind of the beast behind this whole machine of what they wanted to do and the messaging they wanted to put out to women. And it was just like, holy, holy cow. That's all I could think of. And I had these flashes where I'm like, yeah, I remember going into Victoria's Secret in my 20s and being like, oh, this is like what, this is what boys want. And you see, and the catalogs I would get and looking at the bodies of like, you know, in my mind, perfect bodies with like, you know, 0% body fat, huge boobs, whatever. That's like the standard that was fed to us. I'm not saying that that is what I want now, but that's like at the time that was what was fed to us. And so it goes through this whole documentary of basically like how it was how it was born, the CEO Les Wexner, who's a complete piece of shit, and how he kind of like created this juggernaut of stores and messaging and the models and I mean it just it blew up and it, it, he was you know for being an asshole, he was also very very smart businessman. So it's it's really interesting. And he's, and then he's got like ties to Jeffrey Epstein. It's like, it's disgusting. And there's like a lot of like sexual abuse allegations, just trigger warning if you are going to watch that. But it talks to some of the models who were like, yeah, I mean, this is, these are the things, the things we had to deal with. These are, this is the messaging. Some of the models, oh my God, it just broke my heart. One of the models actually says, I didn't have an eating disorder. I just didn't really eat that much. And I was like, oh honey. Um, I mean, now she's like probably my age, but she... And she looks fine, but but she was like, I didn't have an eating disorder, but like people were encouraged not to eat. And they really showed pictures of how much they photoshopped those girls to where they're taking inches off of their body to for the catalog. I mean, it wasn't even their... So I know we learned about that. I know we learned about airbrushing. I know we learned about editing photos, but it's just brought a lot to light around your self-esteem and the things that you... And I think it really hit home of what we put in front of us is what we aspire to be when you kind of look at the the standards, the beauty standards, especially for women. I think for men too, whatever gender you identify with, I think it's for anybody who's like trying to be desirable, desirable. So, I mean, he, he created all of these chains, right? But they talk so much about like how social media, this is where I was very, very grateful for social media. I was like, for all the shit that we talk about it sometimes, Social media completely obliterated Victoria's Secret and like took it down because all these other brands were starting to be like, they were starting to push against the beauty standard that Victoria's Secret was setting of like no diversity in their models, no body diversity, no BIPOC. Like it was just so white, thin privilege. I feel like once the brands started noticing that, they're like, we need to take this down. And that's when social media was building. It completely took them down. And that's when they stopped the fashion shows. I mean, it was just like, that's where I got really grateful that social media was like, yeah, we're putting, because, because 
because you remember we talked about cancel culture last week and how everyone's just like waiting for a takedown, but you don't have you don't have the power to, to take them down because you're just one voice. But when there's an opportunity to take someone down, everyone's coming for it because they're like, oh, this is our opportunity. Like that's kind of what it was is everyone just started clobbering on Victoria's Secret. It's interesting, some of the employees talk a little bit about like how Victoria's Secret did start to include more body sizes, more people of color, but a lot of the like previous employees are like, it's not really, like we, we right. don't it's think like that- it's like too little, too late. Exactly, we don't yeah. think it's, we don't think it's changed. We don't think it's changed at all. It's just a face to like save them. So yeah, that is all I have to say about that. But it just, I mean, I think it too, it just made me sad for like the teenage girl of me where I had like pictures of them in my bathroom being like, this is what you need to aspire to be. Before I realized that like, you can't change your body really. Like you can't make your shoulders smaller. You can't make your boobs bigger. I mean, I didn't, yeah. Well, you can, but (laughs) if you want to pay a lot of money. Yeah, let's be real. I definitely like, I think we've talked a lot about how I think I had slightly fewer external awareness of body standards, like beauty standards. Right. But I definitely think that no one who, you know, came of age in the 90s or 2000s were really, or 80s, 90s, and like early 2000s were really immune to that tall, thin, big boob, long hair, white, unwrinkled, undimpled, hairless skin, mm-hmm. like really Barbie beauty standard. Right. And I do think it's, I actually was just thinking about this like a couple of nights ago that I remember sitting in my kitchen table in middle school or high school, feeling cellulite on my legs and literally having no idea what it could be. Oh, interesting. Thinking that I had like a tumor. Oh, interesting. I had no frame of reference for cellulite. Oh, like I that's had interesting. Never seen. And like, we didn't really do like tropical vacations when I was a kid. So like my mom is very, very, very petite. So I hadn't. And also like, you don't, you just don't look when you're a kid, you don't look at your parents' bodies that way. Like I had never no. like, critically sized. No, 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 you know? no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I just remember sitting at the kitchen table and like feeling cellulite on the top of my, like the back of my thigh and thinking like, oh my gosh, am I sick? Like something is wrong. Now I see, you know, like babies butts have cellulite. Like, you know, <laughs> for all the products out there that say like, oh, cellulite is caused by X, Y, Z. Like, no, you're born with cellulite. <laughs> I love that babies butts have cellulite. It's I so do too, cute. <laughs> Like Evie has cellulite, you know, like she's three and a half and it's, and like, that's eye opening to me to be like, Oh, I probably had that my whole life. And I just didn't, didn't have like the body awareness to notice it until I was a teenager or, you know, and it's not even like, Oh, this happens at puberty. Like, no kids have cellulite. This is like a natural thing that most bodies have. But you know, I like, we grew up only seeing airbrushed images only, only. I was just thinking about that the other day and thinking like how much better it will be for like Evie's generation to grow up and have this. I mean, I'm not saying that representation in the media is perfect, but compared to what it was in the early 90s, it is a world away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think that it's and also the I mean, it's also the quantity that people are exposed to now, which I think is its own problem. Like we used to pretty much have Abercrombie catalog, right? J crew, Victoria's like, Secret. Catalogs, it's like, and yeah. And that was right. It. Yeah. And billboards. Like there were, there was no, obviously yeah, like, really the internet, let alone social media. So sometimes quantity over quality, you know, at the same time, but I do think it's really interesting to see how that has expanded. And I think it will be interesting to see that extrapolated into the entertainment industry, honestly, into politics, 
like, you know, you look at the political playing field, the vast, vast, vast majority of politicians are, I mean, racially, obviously, it's very white. But apart from that, like very European Eurocentric standards of facial features, hair, very like, uh, you know, the socioeconomic groups that are represented are all very homogenous. Like the look is very homogenous. It's very like country club to put a label on it. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know, very similar, like straight sizes. It's all very, very able-bodied. It's all like just so homogenous. And it's will just be interesting to see as the next generation comes up and like is more familiar with and exposed to and aware of and and comfortable with that wider variety. Like if that, if we'll start to see that shift throughout the entire public experience, I guess. It really made me think about the power that brands have, the absolute power that brands have. I mean, this brand and the other brands he created was created by all white men. How much of that was their idea of what the quote unquote attractive woman needed to look like. And I just, there's so many things wrong with it, but it just really made me think like, okay, thank God for brands who came along and refused to be like, yeah, we're, we're, and honestly, I I mean, I look at this and I'm like, good for them, but they were probably like, oh, we're taking a risk here. They probably felt like they were taking a risk because they're going against the grain. And is this going to be successful? And it was because everyone was so fed up with Victoria's Secret standards that they were waiting in the wings for someone to come along and be like, yes, I see you. Let's show the cellulite because we all have it. Let's, you know, I remember the first time I rem- I discovered my cellulite. I was like, I think we were on vacation. I think we were in Hawaii with my family or something. And my family had gone to get something to eat. And I was putting my ba- my bathing suit on, like getting ready to go meet them. And I like saw cellulite on my legs. Same reaction as you, where I didn't really understand what it was. But then I was like, oh my gosh, this is bad. And I started doing squats in my hotel room. Like right then and there. Right then and there. Yeah. Right then and there. Isn't that sad? That's yeah. that's you, Victoria's Secret. I blame you, all of you. Now she needs therapy. Yeah. Now I need to call my therapist. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you for hanging out with us for another week. We can be found online at joyandclaire.com. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can email us. This is joyandclaire.com. Something I want to point out this week on our Instagram, we are sharing the Amazon wish lists of some teachers in our community who could use a little bit of help building out their supplies for this upcoming school year. By the time you hear this, I will have added them to a highlight in our Instagram account. So these are people who are active with our, you know, active podcast listeners or Instagram followers of ours who we that we did this last year, um, knowing that, you know, the last several years have been particularly hard on teachers above pretty much almost any other profession. We just want to be able to help them out and let them know that they are supported and they are seen. And so um, those lists will be on our Instagram highlights. If you are a teacher and you're like, wait a minute, I want to do that. We will be posting another round of links probably in about a month as we get a little bit closer to the start of the year for most areas. I know it's still kind of the middle of July. You're maybe not ready to quite think about what schools can look like, or you are working a summer job or whatever, and you just are not quite there yet. So we'll do it again. So if you um, want to participate in that, if you're a teacher or you know an educator of any kind, please feel free to send us your Amazon wish list. It does have to be an Amazon wish list that lists for people and shipping and contact information. We know like Amazon is what it is, but it's just the easiest way for us to be able to try to support you. If you don't know how to set up an Amazon wish list, just Google it. It's very straightforward. And yeah, if you are not a teacher, please check out that highlight and support some teachers in our community. Thank you guys for being here with us. We will talk to you next week. Thank you guys. Bye.